Real Stories, a local podcast for local artists. Good afternoon everyone, we are back for another episode of Afternoon Delight. I hope you're all staying safe and well if you're in a tier system. I feel like universally actually been talking to a few friends that stay across in the States and Canada um, and get the impression that the tier systems are a universal thing right now, unless you've got a very good low case of COVID, which is amazing. Well done you as a country if you're managing that. In Scotland, things are a bit difficult. Different cities, different districts and councils are all getting um, different rules and regulations. Edinburgh seems to be in level three, which means... Not much has really changed for us, to be honest, but I've got a few friends in Glasgow and in places in West Lothian that are unfortunately in the system of level four. And it's really difficult. So just well done if you're managing to cope mentally because it gets tough. It really does. And sometimes it's good to bury your head in things. Like, I wouldn't say bury your head in the sand because I think there's often a negative connotation and context with that phrase. But sometimes, actually, there's nothing wrong with doing that. You've sometimes just got to do that. I've left Afternoon Delight um, late for this week just because I wanted to record this for Monday and make this a sort of beginning of the week new episode because normally I'm doing this on Wednesdays and Fridays but the next couple of weeks I've got one guest a week at most. We've got really exciting guests actually, some drag artists again which are going back to kind of the roots of Afternoon Delight. Um, back when we were interviewing people like Ruth Jazzle, Dean Gummer and Lola Fierce. And I've also got a queer artist, bisexual woman coming on to talk about bi-visibility, which is really exciting. Um, if you're part of the queer community like I am and you go under the queer umbrella, that's totally great. But one thing I've often felt like in the LGBT plus community, um, there's often bi-erasure in the community. So it's definitely good to get someone from that side of the community on to talk about their experiences and ways that we can basically better ourselves in the queer community. You know, we're not all perfect in the queer community. We need to stop erasing by people. It's really important. Now, that being said, that is not who is this week. So that was an exciting way to kind of get you all pumped for the next few weeks. This week's guest is a drag king, but also a digital artist and tattoo apprentice in the making. I've been very blessed to have known this person since I was, God, when did I met them actually? 2015 into 16, I think. I've known them for a while, known them in the queer community and from the nightlife, especially uh, through nights like Dive, Queer Party. Um, what a great, fantastic night. That was one of my figure of one of my first queer nights that I went to that wasn't actually in CC's or you know the street it was actually somewhere else at Woodland Creatures which was so much fun by Miss Annabelle Sings and Annabelle Cooper honestly both amazing pioneers in the queer community especially in the underground scene and this drag king oh my god there's so many stories do you know what like honestly I, uh, this is one of my close friends that sometimes you've got friendships where you don't need to talk to each other a lot but you know that you're both there and you care about each other and you can always drop a line to say when something bad's happening. Like, I experienced, unfortunately, a virtual funeral, which this guest and I touch on, albeit briefly, with their own experience. But virtual funerals are a bit of a head fuck, in all honesty. And I got a message from them saying how much um, they were here for me and how much they cared about me and that 
you know, this guest doesn't like to sugarcoat anything. They're a realist like me, and they're a fellow Aquarian, Aquarius, so look forward to the procrastination between the two of us, because that's totally the vibe, and that's why I love them as a friend, because it's always good to know you, someone's got your back, even if they're not there 24-7. That's a real sense of security. It's really funny, because I've been this guest's boss, they've been my boss, we've kind of worked together on the same level. It's just been amazing, really, actually. And I think that's stuff that we touch on briefly in this episode, um, is our kind of work ethics and how they were a great dynamic with each other. But do you know what? I don't really want to kind of rant and ramble like an Aquarius does, because this is about them. Um, and to me, their drag as a drag king in the community is not appreciated enough and respected enough. And we did the House of Liability digital drag show. And I knew after that we needed to get this guest on because that show was incredible for our second show. And they did an amazing number. And I can't believe that I'm bringing on this guest because this, this conversation is wild, but it is the amazingly talented Phil Heron, Kate McFarlane. <laughs> One of my favourite people, uh, as well as artists, someone I've known quite a while who actually I met outside of the drag world, uh, working in youth theatre, which was really exciting. I remember there was one instance that I was their boss, then they became my boss, and then we both ended up working the same job, and then we realised we both did drag together, which was totally random, and it was so lovely to meet this person and become so close with this person. I've known them for so long, so please... Do give a warm welcome to Phil Heron, Stroke Cakes. Hello, how are you? I'm good, I'm all right. It's been a very exhausting couple of days, I won't lie to you. Um, heavy mental weekend. Yeah. And I think Scorpio season's really getting the best of people right now and burning people out. But <laughs> I was just saying to you, literally, as we started this, how lovely your living room's looking. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a, I guess no one can see it. So it's a, it's a teal colour. Oh, uh, dark green colour. Yeah, it's a new lockdown project. Been lots of them. Oh, I love that. I've had like seven hundred lockdown projects. How many have you finished? Um, none. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of like typical Aquarius procrastinating thing of I'll take on a hundred things and like, can we get one of them done? Like <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so for people listening, if you wouldn't mind, could you introduce who you are? So I am Kate and or Phil, you might know me as Phil Her In. I am uh, in my 20s. I live in Leith and I work as a tattoo studio manager come apprentice. I do some drag kinging and I work in youth theatre as well, which is obviously quite challenging at the moment with the uh, social distancing and online learning. So yeah. that is me. I'm really interested to actually ask you because I'll end up, no doubt, I'm so bad for like going on tangents and you know, I give everyone obviously their template questions and say to them, oh, we'll, we'll talk about these sort of things, all that. Um, but one of the things for me is always, um, oh, but what about this? Like, and what about this at last minute? And I definitely was thinking that about the youth theatre earlier this morning when I was like, right, me and Phil are doing this chat. Hmm, what kind of stuff have I maybe not thought about? And I did think about that with the youth theatre stuff. It must be quite you know, different doing all this, what we used to do together, like in rooms now online must be an experience. 
yeah, it is really, really strange not being in the space and seeing, but it's great because you get to see the, the young people we work with in their own safe spaces. So they're all in their bedroom and stuff. And it's kind of, that's not something we would usually see. So we do get a sort of insight into what their lives are. So when I do go back face to face, it'll be interesting to have that little insight. But yeah, sometimes it is tricky when you've just got 15 kids just staring blankly at you all on mute. You just feel like you're chatting to yourself a bit. Oh, so are you muting them a lot of the time, right? Okay. Some of them, yeah, they just don't. Sometimes they're up for chat, sometimes they're not. When a lot of their school stuff was online, I think everything was online for them, so they were just kind of a bit tired of it, which is understandable. How many how many like people did family quizzes? And then yeah. after about six weeks, no one was quizzing anymore. I think we were doing like five out of seven nights a week we were doing bloody quizzes with people i know i remember that at the beginning of the pandemic it was like i was dating someone uh, virtually which was a weird experience um, but i was dating someone who it was like i would be like oh do you want to like have a like facetime on friday night and he'd be like oh well it can't be between seven and eight because we do the family quiz and i was like is that a thing but they were the kind of family that obviously they got together on friday night for dinner very traditional, right, yeah. not conservative, thank God. I like learned from my mistakes the same <laughs> time, but, <laughs> but very kind of traditional or oh, Sunday roast, but on a Friday fucking night, basically. But doing this pub quiz stuff that I'd be like, is that a thing? But then obviously I realized that, yeah, a lot of people were doing Zoom pub quizzes. It's definitely an interesting one. And you know, it's so funny to talk about them, obviously, their home learning. Um, my friend's stepdad is a photography lecturer in my college and she was saying when we went for coffee in fact you know her Ailey and and when yeah. we went for coffee and she was saying to me oh Alan is um you know this going online thing is an experience and I was like oh yeah and she said oh yeah and you know and um, a lot of the students are just too shy that they don't even want to go on camera and I thought it must be one daunting for them because yeah you go on camera people you don't know but equally if you were teaching in that position like not seeing people it must feel a bit uneasy do you know what I mean yeah. don't know who you're talking to or what you're doing yeah exactly I do find though you do end up I don't know if you found this but my self-esteem like totally crashed yeah because I was spending so long on video chats and I was constantly like looking at myself and like in meetings and stuff you don't see your reactions when you're in a normal meeting but when you're in an online meeting, you can see everything you're doing. So I ended up taking uh, some advice from my partner, Socks, and I drew a picture of myself on a post-it and just stuck it over where I was on the screen. Oh, I and that, that just totally, until someone leaves and then you've got to move it. To someone you don't want to look at, just draw a nicer picture of them and stick it on top. It's a I great tip. That. That's uh, a really good tip. <laughs> Socks always teaching me the ways. I love that. I know. Um, it's so true though because um, oh, I, I've been like that in singing lessons because my it was my singing teacher that told me this and I was like eh, really wish you hadn't told me this she was like oh yeah you know Zoom's so interesting isn't it and I was like oh I don't really like it I'm just I'm old school I don't really like being on the computer all the time I'm very much like I like to like still think we're in the fucking 80s into the 90s do you know what I mean yeah. like oh um, you know but you know it's so cool because you can do things like I've loved this you can like auto-tune your face and make it like cleaner and all this and I was like no that's just gonna get so bad for me because I'm the type of person that how many times do I post a photo and drag I'm sure you'll feel this way that you're like oh maybe this could have been better and maybe this could have been better and and you think oh maybe I could just get face tune and fix this and it's like no because then it becomes so obsessive over how you look and then you're you're yeah. so insecure do you know what I mean 
it, and that's the challenge in the end because it's a it's an unreal expectation isn't it because that's not necessarily what you look like so when you do look in a mirror you feel even worse about yourself and then when you can't reach that photoshopped image because it's not a real face it's yeah slippery slope in it but it's such a vibe right now i'm so glad we're doing this chat i can tell this is going to be great for me so let's get straight into it um, first question usually is kind of where did you grow up backstory before you kind of went into the arts and your kind of jobs where did you grow up did you study did you work any kind of other jobs when you were in your sort of teen years? And uh, if you were sharing those personal experiences, that would be great. So I grew up in Granton, or as my parents would say, it was the posh part of Granton, because we were a cul-de-sac and not an estate or a scheme. So <laughs> it was Granton, nonetheless. I could turn the corner and I was in like the deepest, darkest depths of Granton, and it was great. I loved it. Uh, I started drama classes, actually, when I was four because oh, really? my uh, nana, her she went to the hairdresser and someone there had a friend who ran a drama class. So I went to the drama class and that was basically like all I wanted to do when I was younger. I wanted to be an actor and an astronaut. <laughs> that was like, that was my, my goals, my plans. Very you, then, that is very you. Yeah, exactly. And then when I got older, I uh, found, I was always friends with older people. So I was... I mean, my sister's 13 years, 14 years older than me. 13, not 14. She'll kill me for saying that. <laughs> so I always had older friends. So I found that when I was in like fourth year of high school, all my friends were in sixth year. So, and then when they all left to go to college and stuff, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't have any pals. All my pals have gone. Who am I going to? So I found some uh, some other friends and started uh smoking by the trees and drinking and then I wanted to I wanted to own a theme park so that was my next goal that I was going to design a theme park and own a theme park right and that again went to shit but I still love theme parks can't go to them at the moment so then I went through school that was you know school when you're out not by choice wasn't mm. uh, exactly the best experience I've heard that my school is very good now which what is what uh, school did you go to Trinity Academy. Trinity, right, okay. Not as fancy as it sounds. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will say, as someone that went to Leith Academy, Trinity, I hate that I know this because it's so sad, but in terms of schooling systems by like numbers, because I remember years ago they did this huge 24 or 25 schools of Edinburgh that were like ranked to the best. And like Trinity was up there at sort of number eight, and Leith Academy was like number 21. <laughs> so that makes you any better. Great, yeah. So I did that. I went to school, kept my head down, skived a bit. Uh, didn't get any hires at all. And I don't think I got one. I was meant to do them in fifth year. Didn't get them. Tried them again in sixth year. Didn't get them. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Everyone else went off to uni and stuff. And I was like, great, what am I going to do? Because I'm not going to uni. Mm -hmm. So I went to college to do... Uh, mainly criminology actually so social sciences so I did criminology and in the first week they made us do this uh, psychopath test and they were like right we're going to find out who's the biggest psychopath in the class right and I was like <laughs> right here we go let's have these so we did it the lecture was all serious and she was like one person came out like on top like this one's someone to watch and I was like oh who is it oh and they were like Caitlin McFarlane you scored like blah 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 on the psychopath test and are the most like 
psychopathic person in this class and I was like what oh my god and it was because I scored no one there's a video that we had to watch as part of it and it was this like wee girl on a scooter and she fell and she didn't like hurt herself but it was like hilarious right so obviously I'm sitting there pissing myself and no one else is finding it funny and everyone's like disgusted at me and um Oh, I'm sorry, there's a cat behind oh, me. I'm so everybody's laughing. <laughs> you can't, you won't see it on the podcast, don't worry. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone is uh, judging me harshly for laughing. So I was like, right, I've got to make sure I do not turn into a bad psychopath. So I finished college. I got uh, some, I got a, an NC, which is like, level six so the year first year equivalent of uni and then I went to Edinburgh College Sight Hill and did community education they basically we just went on walks and got a mark for it it was fantastic yeah. one day they were like we're gonna walk over the fourth road bridge and back and that's an exam <laughs> honestly like I can just picture you being like cool sh- they bother lighting a cigarette. Yes. <laughs> and, they're, and they're like, Caitlin, you're only going to get a B because you lit a cigarette. <laughs> Honestly, it was pacing with brain. It was, I did end up, and at the end of our lectures went on strike. So it was all, it all became oh, online. Right. Oh, yeah. So I stopped having to get the, the bloody 21 bus every morning. Oh my God, that from, bus. From oh. uh, <laughs> New Haven, Link area to all the way up to Sight Hill in the morning. Oh God, so I was that kind of and then uh, I got my job in youth theatre and then I started a bit of drag before then and then that's up to now. I will say before I ask you, thank you so much, by the way, for sharing that because those were so typically you to tell such funny stories in such a calm and collected way. <laughs> I'm, trying so to, I'm trying to be sensible with my stories as well because, you know, I, I work with young people so there's only a certain amount that I can... Uh, share on the internet before I become a bad influence. But, yeah, um... I am very aware of the other stories you're not <laughs> sharing, don't you worry, which is why I'm laughing more. But I think it's because you're such an Aquarius like me that you've got one of those serious tones that's like... So it's like you have a in the news or something, isn't it? Yeah. It's like... <laughs> but it's so funny. And uh, I will just add, it's so... Do you bring up the 21 bus just and this needs to be said, right? Anyone listening who's like a leafer or sort of horny to leaf, I guess, um, that the 21 is one of my, oh my God, can I stand, get rid of them buses? They're so stressful for me. But right. I will say, I once tweeted this age ago and I thought it was hilarious that, you know, if, you ever, if you've never seen an American Horror Story coven and how these the witches end up going into their version of what they think hell would be like. And I remember tweeting being like, my version of hell is a 49 bus. <laughs> <laughs> that's really? busy because yeah. it's literally a busy 49 bus I remember me and you would either get the 21 and the 49 bus together 9 yeah. to 10 times after a shift working in Porty because it was both of us could get the bus home and me being like oh which one are we going to have to deal with a single decker 21 or the like 49 that's going to be heaving like do you know what I mean yeah oh, good times so this is going to be an interesting podcast episode because we're going to kind of go down two routes sort of design youth theatre you out of drag but you in do you in drag so um there's also a lot with coming out stories so let me try and think let's go with the drag first and let's kind of work our way maybe back so what got you into drag 
especially as a drag king, because, you know, I had Dean Gummer on a few weeks ago saying why he got into drag and it was doing a course at Summer Hall that really pushed him getting into drag for an acting course. And I'd love if you could share as another drag king what got you into it. Yeah, so I was, uh, obviously I said earlier, I did a lot of, uh, I was in a youth theatre. I went to drama classes and we always did shows. And um, I don't know what it's like when it's, if anyone else has had this experience that has gone to drama classes, but there weren't many boys in the class. One or two. And chances are they were only there a couple of terms. Like they weren't there all the time. So when it came to putting on performances, some of the girls... Uh, and doing uh, inverted commas for the people who can't uh, see, um, would play more masculine characters because they would have to. So I was always the one who would step up. It's a bit fun, isn't it? You're, that's the point of drama. You're getting to be someone who isn't yourself. So I always wanted to play the part of someone who was the polar opposite of myself. And I guess when I, when I finished drama, I was like, how can I continue to do this? And I sort of knew about panto and drag queens and sort of, Drag race was in its early, earlier years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this was about seven years ago now since I first right. uh, started drag. Um, and I was like, what is there that I can do? There must be an equivalent for me. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen any other kings ever. So I did a bit of Googling and there were three or four names that popped up, Land Insider being, mm-hmm. being one of them. And I was like, great. I am going to tap in to this market, this little, not to make money, just because it, there it needs to be some representation. So I thought I'm going to tap into this market and I'm going to find some people with a show and I'm just going to approach them. And I met uh, Miss Annabelle Sings, funnily enough, just out of the blue and we got to chatting. And uh, she was like, oh, I do, a, I do a show, a little cabaret show in a, a dark room. Come and, come and join in. And I was like, right, okay. And I got there and I realized that it was in a pub. And I was like, oh fuck, because I wasn't 18. And I'd never thought about it before until it, until I was there. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'd never been like, I've been in a pub once before, sneaky, sneaky wee pub visit until they catch you. And I was like, right, I'm going to have to. So I was like, I looked around and I could just see all these sort of geezers on Leith Walk, all these like gadgets, like these rough men. And I was like, I'm just going to have to blend in with them. <laughs> to get in and that's how my character of Phil started because I was like I'm gonna make myself like this average slimy sort of lether yeah. and just come into the pub and I was like I walked up to the bar and I was like all right type <laughs> and he, the guy behind the bar was just like all right oh and I was like cider and he was like okay there you go and I walked away from the bar not getting ID absolutely completely buzzing that I'd managed to obviously he knew I was probably there for the show and not just some average bloke I mean I was five foot two so (laughs) Uh, listen I've dated men that are five foot two that's very rude (laughs) (laughs) one of them was you Well, that was our secret. Good thing. Oh, God, what am I like? And do you know what? It's so funny as well, because I do often joke it, but I've often said, you know, like, Jordy definitely goes out with Phil in drag. Like, that is definitely a power yeah. couple in the drag community. When you did the House of Liability drag show on Friday, I was like, oh, you know, Amy Lamore is my drag sister who also goes out with my drag son, which is something that I don't think we can go into in this show. And Phil her, Phil her in. For, for some reason, I've always called you Heron. <laughs> I don't know why. I know, and you know what? It's just 
no one knows. And I always thought about taking the, the second art out. And I did a poll and everyone was like, nah, just leave it. I think it's literally just me. I'm just so bad for pronouncing words there. Everyone, everyone does it. And it's, it's right. because I Googled it and it is actually a real second name. It's like a real surname. So I wanted to keep uh, it as a pun, but yeah. But now I've often I know. thought about changing it. Uh, but. but now I know and I'm just like, yeah, my husband is literally filling in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he fills me regularly. <laughs> With humour and love. Um, Get filled. So, that's amazing. I never knew that. And you know what? I love Annabelle Sings and the dive lot. Oh, honestly, that's... Um, you know what? I'm like, I love the dirty underground nightlife and queer scene anyway. I'm not yeah. a... I'm like, it's like I said on the show on Friday for the House Liability, you know, we're not the look queens. We're the funny slapstick rad queens. That's always been my house. That's always been my friends. It's not... We're not completely polished. I mean, we look great, but we're not polished and on Instagram being like, look at me, give me 12,000 likes. Do you know what I mean? It's just not what it is. Um, but I love that story. That's amazing. Um, so kind of on the opposite side of that, what made you want to work in youth theatre then? <clears throat> oh, I didn't. I really <laughs> didn't. <laughs> I just, I didn't. I really, it was of all the things I wanted to be, right? Of all right. the things I wanted to be, like astronaut, I wanted to run a, a fairground on the yeah. ocean terminal. My sad, it had to be there. Right, okay. I wanted to be like an actor. I didn't want to be a drama teacher. And I just sort of fell into it, actually. I started uh, assisting birthday parties for the, the youth theatre that I went to as a kid. And uh, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is actually quite fun. Because I used to be paying to come to this youth theatre. But yeah. now I'm being paid to be here <laughs> and to be that great adult that I had when I was younger I mean you always remember some great teachers mm-hmm. and they were always my drama teachers like they were the best totally. so I was just like oh my god I get to be this person it was never something I, I wanted to do I just sort of fell into it and fell in love with it so after doing some uh, assistant stuff I uh, went to work uh, with the lovely Stuart when I met you and I came in to be your assistant on a Saturday it was a little Saturday job for me it's nuts and then it just uh, it snowballed from there, didn't it? The more you, you work with them, the more you get invested in the, in the young people and the productions and just the... I think it's something I will always do as well. No matter where my career turns, I will always have a, a Saturday in my heart, Saturday drama-shaped hole in my heart to be filled. I think for, for me, you are such a big kid. Like, I'm not... Oh, yeah! Like, a lot of people might be like, oh, that's quite rude to say that to an adult, but I'm like, no, you are honestly the most fun energetic person like to work with like I was very much a right everyone let's sit and talk about the concept of this and get this done and you'd be like let's go Raj yeah. very um Mr G when he teaches his drama oh classes. my god yeah and I will uh, wrap myself up in a duvet and roll about the floor for five minutes and call it art and make them all do the yeah. same thing just because I did need to burn some energy and then, then there's me, Mr. G, coming in being like, right, we're going to role play a serious situation. Thank God. <laughs> and it's like, thank God you're here. And I won't say it because it's swearing, but it's like, where you been? Like, it's so, honestly, I just think of Mr. G, oh, I love it so much. That musical, honestly, that's like a goal in my life to put on a high school musical like that. Brilliant. <laughs> we can make that. We could definitely that happen. And you know what? You'll never, have, I've never told you this in the past because it's been years since, obviously, well, I would say years, about a year and a half since we've worked together in a youth theatre setting. And even then, 
we were never actually in that many classes together when we were in our last post. And I would always say, like, I definitely went into when I went into youth theatre and working for places like SYT and stuff in Glasgow, was very much like, right, you need to be very much authoritarian and you need to very much, you know, set that boundary, which you still do. But I think I was very kind of uptight sometimes. And you always were really good at helping me see how fun it could be. And I remember always coming away from your lessons, actually learning something myself, which I thought was great. And that's what well, great teachers you. do. Not that's what great teachers do, definitely. Um, I know it's funny because I don't have a teaching qualification and everyone always assumes I do. Like I was chatting to Dean the other day and Dean was like, so, you know, with your teaching degree. And I was like, what teaching degree? And he was like, what? And I was like, I don't have one. Like, I don't know. I did, like I said, I didn't get any hires. Yeah. I studied something completely different. It's just being passionate about something and being at the right place in the right time and who you know and how hard you're willing to work and how much love you're willing to put in something. So. And you're a model for that. That's amazing. Because mm. a lot of people listening to this podcast, people talk about college courses they did but they didn't use or uni courses they did and they do use. Like, But it's always helpful to get people that... There are some people in life that are just workers that you know, they've worked their way up. And that, you know, uni and education isn't for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. remember when I, was, when I was applying to art school, I, you know, everyone was like, why are you doing that? Right? Now, I can't, I can't draw save myself. You are an amazing designer and artist, right, when it comes to these stuff. But I honestly can't draw, right? So I was like, I'm going to apply to art school. My friends were like, can you draw? And I went, no. <laughs> now, I was like, no. Why would you go good? They were like, all oh, right, but you're going to go arts school. I am going to do live art and drag. And they were like, oh, why? And I went, don't know, I just fancy it. <laughs> no. Why not? I applied thinking to myself, if I get in this, it's going to be one of those funny stories, right? Right? Because I just thought to myself, this will be hilarious to tell people in the future. Be like, oh, yeah, once I went art school, but I don't know why. And they'll be like, what? Because I just like, sometimes I like to take life as a bit more of a fun thing. Like, I'm like, life is an experience as well as you have to live. Do you know what I mean? It shouldn't be about well, you have to grow up and have children and get married and work nine to five Monday, Friday. I'm like, gal, that is not me. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. But I'm a typical queerish rebel, obviously. But I was like, I went to art school. When I got in and then I graduated, I remember tweeting during summer because obviously the stuff happened with the SQA results, which was just a joke. And I tweeted saying, now listen, I'll be honest, I want to like say this now, you know, I know everyone's upset with their SQA results, but what I want to remind people is, I did not get an art qualification at school and I yes. somehow got into art school. You know, it's not just because you maybe don't get that one high at high school does not set you up for life. And I think schools are quite bad for saying that to you when you're at school. Of course, this really put pressure on you. I remember them, uh, my school saying to me, oh, it's uh, it costs us for every exam you do forward. Uh, you've got 12% on your physics prelim, so we're not going to sit you for the exam. You can stay in the class if you want. And I was like, nah, you're all right. So that's why I've everything I've studied, like at college, I've studied because I wanted to learn about it, not because I wanted to use it. Like I wanted to learn about criminals. I don't want to be a criminologist. I get that the book, like even flies are like my biggest fear because there are just so many. So imagine me <laughs> with like anything worse than that. Like and that just the, studying something that I wanted to learn about and not necessarily have the pressure of passing and using that grade for something gave me time to fall into something else that I liked doing. 
totally get that and I totally understand what you mean. That's honestly just this conversation is so great. So um in the lead up to the pandemic, what had you been sort of doing working project wise, if you don't mind sharing? Of course. So uh I was uh working on my tattoo apprenticeship, which is uh still going. I've taken a little pause just now just because of COVID and stuff. It's uh it's hard to observe someone working when you can't be within two meters of them. So okay. it's, uh, it's just, it doesn't make sense at the moment and I want a, a fair good shot at it. Uh, I was, I've been making some prints to sell to make some money for, uh, for Greenwood. Uh, I mean, it's not work related, but I was uh, planning a wedding, which is probably like one of the biggest projects ever, isn't it? So, oh, wow. So that's been uh, postponed. Yeah, yeah. to 2021 of course uh, that was meant to be this Friday actually mm-hmm. so I think we're just going to go for a wee walk up Arthur's seat and get oh, fake married oh yeah. lovely yeah um, that was, it's been really busy it's always really busy and I think actually when the pandemic was about to happen you know like the week before lockdown a couple of days before lockdown I was like oh two weeks because two, it was it was two weeks initially wasn't it we were told two weeks of closure yeah. And I was like, two weeks wouldn't actually be that bad. I could do with a wee two weeks off. Mm-hmm. I actually really, really enjoyed, even though I wasn't getting paid, I wasn't on any sort of furlough or anything, I really enjoyed the time off. Mm-hmm. And I understand that it could be stressful for other people. I mean, we were lucky enough that we had some savings that we could fall back on. That was the same as me, yeah. Always have savings. Like, I've always been taught that. Savings. Always have savings and always have your kettle full of water in case the water goes out. Just yeah. two, two strange things that have always just sat, sat with me for my I parents. Think, as much. I think that's a working class thing because my mum like taught me that. It's very much like you always have savings pot in case something happens, something yeah. goes wrong. And funny enough for me, it was always my health. It was like, oh, what if you got really ill and you needed money for something? Like if I'd went on a holiday and I had to pay to get emergency flights back or something. And I was like, yep, never thought it'd be getting used on a random thing that we'd all be going through. But here you are. Um, yeah. But I, that was it. Savings and always have a kettle in case your water stops working and your shower. Exactly. Yep. But I do feel fortunate that we did have the savings because it did give me time to. I just needed a break. Yeah. And actually, the first the first week was really hard because it was the first time my body had rested in so long that it was just a horrible time. And I don't. I'm not. I don't do the most exercise because I have quite an energetic job when I'm running about with chasing after kids all the time so when they told us we were allowed out once a day one hour of exercise I was like right I'm not doing that I'm gonna go out three times a day and go for three different runs because I need to just get out the house Mm -hmm. and I was doing like going for walks doing all this and as soon as they said again and it is the Aquarius rebel thing isn't it as soon as they said go out as much as you want I was like well I'm not going out there yeah I'm staying in if everyone's out I'm staying in exactly where I am so because I couldn't, I love having control. I'm quite an obsessive uh, person, mm-hmm. not in a, a psychopathic way, <laughs> but over uh, little things. Like I need to be able to control things and have a routine. Same. Um, Definitely. I think that, um, so when it, um, everyone was out there, I was like, right, I don't have any control over this anymore. So I'm going to play The Sims because that oh. is something I can control and I can control all these little people's lives. And that was me for about two weeks eating Ben and Jerry's, playing The Sims, not seeing the light. And I was like, do I feel guilty about it? Absolutely not. No. Because I just needed the time. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm secretly hoping there's another, in a, not this week, because I would like to have my uh, fake wedding, but next week, when I've done that, selfishly, I wouldn't mind another just two weeks or something of uh, of lockdown. But with the, I'd like, you know, extended households to still be a thing, because there's a lot of people who do live on their own, who are a bit lonely and isolated. And I've only learned about this extended household rule this week. Really? There's just so many of them to, to follow, isn't there? You no, know, so... it's so funny, yeah, because I, obviously, I, so I live on my own with my two cats, obviously, but uh, I live on my own, so I'm an extended household with uh, another person that lives on their own. So it's kind of like, yeah. you, we're not, because, uh, you know, first, when they announced the extended household, my mum was like, oh, brilliant, we'll come and see, blah, blah. And I was like, no, because my mum, brother, and his partner all work in care. Yeah. And I was like, you're going to put me out of everyone I know right now at the most risk. Yeah. Like, and the only person that I went, they will not actually put me at risk at all is a person that works for Kellogg's and works from home. So, like, and they only literally, do you know what I mean, though? Like, it's like they work for a company at home and the only yeah. thing they do is come and see me once a week to DJ and go to the shop to buy, like, food or wine. It's like, that's what I'm literally doing. Do you know what I mean? So it's... It's so interesting, but it's funny actually because last night a uh, young woman with CF was messaging me because I'm putting together this video for the old CF nurse at my sick kids hospital and she said to me, oh, can I send you my thing tomorrow morning? I've just got in from work. And I instantly went, what do you mean get at work? And this is no judgment on her part. I mean, you've got to live, you've got to pay your bills. But I thought to myself, she used to be a carer in the community and I thought, I hope with CF you're not working in care right now because that is putting you at the most... Mm -hmm can risk with COVID but equally I think when we all anticipated like you said two weeks a nice wee holiday great but now we're literally at month 11 of the year and it's quite weird to think that in four months time is the next time I might be in CC's which is literally when I last DJ'd there nearly a year before that you know what I mean it's like stuff like that they're like you can understand why people are starting to maybe lose a bit of grip and go well actually I need to do this because how much longer will it be? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's been like, it's been 240-odd days since the, the lockdowns announced. And I remember my mum phoning me. I was, Sunday morning, she phoned me and she was like, right, we're going to Asda. You need to you need to get foods before there's none left. And I was like, mum, you're not panic. And she was like, I'm not panic buying, but everyone but, else is panic buying and there's going to be nothing left. Yeah. So my mum is the sort of person always has water in the kettle in case the water goes out, right? Same so when when the big B word was happening, the Brexit, mm -hmm. when that was all happening, I don't like to speak about it in this house, um, when that was all happening, my mum was like, right, I'm going to slowly buy things because people will panic. Oh, so she was right. like buying an extra toilet roll every couple of weeks. So she had this little thing. So when there was no toilet roll, no paracetamol, no rice, no cat food, nothing left in the supermarket, and I'm standing crying because there's nothing left. My mum's like, don't you worry, hen. She opens her boot and pulls out this wee carrier bag, two toilet rolls, bag of pasta, box of paracetamol, hand sanitizer. She was like, anything you need. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. That'll, that'll last us so long. And I remember we went to Asda that Sunday morning, and it was absolute chaos. Mm -hmm. And it was like people, I was trying to get a broccoli, and a woman ran in front of me and like picked up in the in the fruit and veg aisle, you know how you get the big green crates filled with fruit and veg. Mm -hmm. They've all got them all. It's like you can fit like 50 broccolis in it. She picked up the broccoli thing and just tipped it all in her trolley and then looked at me and then turned around and walked away. And I was like, <laughs> I just wanted 
what's a fucking broccoli? Like, oh my god! And I was like, this is complete madness. People were queuing at five to ten to get to the alcohol aisle yeah. to panic buy all the the bevy. People were getting turned away at the tails, and I was like, shit, this is Intense. scary. And now when I think about it, it doesn't feel real. Like, remember we used to all clap. At eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it was a completely different life now. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. So um you obviously have been sort of still doing and taking a pause at the moment from the tattoo stuff, but you're you're working as a manager in the tattoo shop, yeah? You're like you're running it as yeah, well. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Um, how have you found adapting the youth theater stuff to online then? And digital performance as well for drag, actually. Let's do them together. How have you found adapting everything to online essentially? So adapting the, the youth theatre online was, um, I mean, I didn't have to make any major decisions. So I can imagine the managers and stuff and the directors found it incredibly hard. But, you know, it was all right. We were doing YouTube videos as well. So we set ourselves a challenge of doing a YouTube video every day for lockdown. Wow. And that is when it was announced that it was going to be 70 days. So it was 70 videos and it was split between us. So I think we did about 10 each or something between the seven of us. And uh, that was, it was challenging again because I was like dressed up as a superhero running around the block hoping none of the neighbours saw me because I'd already been out that day. Like trying to think of things to do in your house that was safe. We'd been told we weren't allowed to do any strenuous activity or climb ladders in case we fell and had to go to hospital. So I was like, I've got to think of that. No running up and down stairs or lifting heavy things or like, so planning activities and games as well was really hard because, you know, we have like a massive bank of games we could pull out and play at any point, which are great kids games, but also can you imagine playing like one of the ranch games we used to play at drama with like Amy Lamore, Dean Gummer, like all the liabilities like absolutely steaming, trying to play grandma's footsteps. Like I actually think that would be a riot, to be honest. <laughs> Maybe that's a future business we could do. Maybe it's totally I think that'd be wild. <laughs> <laughs> So it's finding things that work online and stuff, and it was it was a challenge to begin with. And I said a bit earlier about um, not wanting to see my face anymore, and it being quite challenging not having the the feedback back. And I think I had just got used to it, and I was just comfortable with it. And everything's gone back face to face, which is always the way, isn't it? You just become comfortable with a new routine, and something comes along to to change it. So are you allowed to do your theatre in person now? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's obviously there's a lot of restrictions, and I I'm not back face to face yet. The rest of the the team have gone back, but I've sort of been taking it a bit easy because I like a, a routine and I like a, to know what's going on. So I've taken it a bit slower. But yeah, there are more restrictions and stuff. Obviously, um, just like with anything, I mean, everyone has new restrictions now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm loving life online. I'm getting. I was such a. I hated the technology. The technology. I hated the technology before. You know, I'm such a granny. Like I literally, because I remember Dean had said on the podcast as well. Like, you know, he was like, "I want a stage. I can't do this online rubbish, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, I felt that too." That when I was doing my MA, and they were like, "Your degree show isn't going to happen," which I was obviously pissed off about. But you know, there were people in my course that were like. This is shocking. I can't believe this. And I was like, well, gal, there's a universal, like, fucking pandemic. Get grip. Like, yeah. you can't be raging at lectures for something like this. Do you know what I mean? But I was like, well, I'll do a film. And at one point, they were like, just film a live performance and just film it straight on, no editing. And I was like, and that was when I got a bit wanky and went, 
that's going to look very basic. So I was like, well, you know what? If I spend maybe two weeks watching YouTube videos yeah, and actually looking at how to edit and do it all properly, then I went, oh, wait, if I do do all this with camera angles, I could film it around my house. And it's so funny because my final hand-in was just so similar to what you did for House Liability, which is bringing me to my next point, that you had done your performance all around your house and made kind of use with... It's like people are using what they've got available to them. And that's what I think is the best thing that, like... Like, I had done one performance in my bathroom, one in my living room, one in my kitchen, one in my hall. Do you know what I mean? Like, and these were all kinds of things I've done. And watch... Yeah, yeah, for my uni thing, but watching, I just went... Oh my god, well done because a lot of people are getting quite, you know, green screens and, and very stressed about that. Um, so what was it like filming that performance that are you gonna put that performance on YouTube? I'm not sure what I'm gonna do with it yet. Um I, I was gonna put it up and I had uh, a couple of people message me saying, uh, don't give that away for free. And I'm like, hmm. Oh, right. That is a that is a good point because it, it took uh, bloody socks, my uh, fiance, it took her a long time to film but uh, I think it is what you were saying earlier I mean making the most of what you've got what you've that's a, a working class thing anyway that's something I've always been taught to make the most of what everything you've got yeah. like you know there's always a use for something mm-hmm, totally which uh, does mean you end up gathering absolute shite in your house totally there's a rule that if I bring one piece of tat in that might be useful one day that that one piece of tat that might be useful one day has to leave so <laughs> it was getting a bit much. But um, it was really, really fun to film, actually. And again, you do have to just make the most of what, you, what you've got. And uh, we do this thing to keep ourselves sane on a... Uh, so a Monday night is my Friday night. Right. Or Sunday okay. night is my Friday night, because my weekend's Monday, Tuesday. So we go to the club, which is uh, our living room, and we get all dressed up, and we put some disco lights on, and uh, we just have a dance. Oh. And we've been doing that since the beginning, actually. We got disco lights recently. They came the day of the music video, which is why the kitchen became <laughs> the club in my music video. Oh, but, uh, yeah, it was really good to film. And I thought, I've done an online show before, and I tried to sort of do it the same way I would do an online, a real-life show, in terms of all just one take, me performing at the camera like it was an audience. And it, it worked, but it didn't read as well as I wanted it to. And I was thinking, and I was like, well, of course it hasn't because this isn't the same setup. So I need to find a different way to work with this. It's not everyone's going to be sat at their screens. If I'm just singing at them, they might get a bit bored. So I need to change things up visually to keep people sort of interested and engaged. And I think it it did read that way and it did work. It did work really well, just because it's, you need to just mix things up a bit. I can't do the same thing every single, I mean, as much as everyone loves it, there's only so many times I can do park life. Like, I've not done it in about three years now because there was a time where everyone was just, like, do park life. And I was like, right, great. And then do park life. So I've not done it for so long that I feel like 2021, whenever we're allowed to reopen, park life is going to have, like, a a comeback, but bigger and more fabulous than ever, I think. I obviously said on Friday that I'm doing the House of Liability. It's called, it's funny enough, called House of Liability Live, even though it's a digital show. But that's because it's live from your homes. But I am taking the House of Liability to a live venue, a very well-respected and popular live venue on Friday nights once Miss Rona fucks off, basically. <laughs> and uh, I definitely um, know that I will have you come and do the open night. And, you know, what I have said to all other performers is there is this really live, uh, cool idea I've got that 
everyone that performs should bring one that they did for the digital show live and revamp oh, yeah, up yeah. and revamp up. And I'm gonna do the Peppa Pig one I done live because it was just oh my god, I was I was screaming. I've actually got it saved on my phone. I had to record it and just save it on my phone. It's it's fantastic. You know what? It was weird. <laughs> everyone, I think everyone just needed a laugh. Totally. And you provided it, and that's what I aim to do with my video as well. Just give everyone a laugh because we fucking deserve it. You, it's shit. Well, it was just you had posted on Instagram, and I think it was when I'd done, I went on the green screen and done the sort of Peppa Pig upset on the phone, and I turned around and was like, Hello, smirk, and you just went, Ah, Carrie, because it was my smirk one. Hello, Susie. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Anyone that's got TikTok, that's why I chose it because TikTok, I don't have TikTok, but everyone does, and it's a popular. Oh, you whistle and blow. And I just remember doing it. And um, everyone was like howling at smirks because they were like, we know what's coming. Like, yeah, but yeah. That's the sort of stuff that is so the house liability. But when you did your performance, I was just decked because what I loved that you had done was you obviously wrote your own lyrics to one of my favorite songs. And, it, but again, it's so funny. And you can maybe share what you intended, right? But you know me, I'm a concept queen. I love all the concepts and art and music and yes, theater, right? Of course, yeah. But when I was listening, <laughs> I went, I love that this is really silly and fun, but I feel like there was a point to this that you're like, and I wish my friends could do the same. And I went, is this a comment on straight white men's entitlement? And I just sat and went, I can see this, but maybe everyone else was just like, it's so fun. And I was like, is this the point? So can you share with me, was I right or was I talking absolute shite? <laughs> I always like people to uh, to tell me what they think before I uh, give any secrets away, but that was my uh, intention to sort of subliminally oh, yes. subliminal messaging. So you you know you want it to be fun, but you want there to be a slight. I'm always going to be political somewhere. There's always going to be a slight political twinge in there at one point, and I had to keep it in there. I mean, I don't know if you saw when I uh, just before the the general election, whenever that last one was, I uh, rewrote the words to "We didn't start the fire." So and it was uh, we didn't we didn't vote for Tory, and I, I found that and we didn't vote for Boris, and I found that with that it was really hard because politics were changing every week. That every time I'd finished the song, two days later the whole fucking song was out of date. So I was like, this time I'm not going to let that happen. So I'm going to have not nothing to do with the pandemic. I'm going to have something else that's just been swept under the rug whilst everyone's talking about the pandemic, misogyny and uh, white privilege and male privilege and all these different mm. types of privileges that fill openly in bodies and takes the piss out of for a reason i've all been swept under the rug and i was like i'm just going to slyly bring that back whilst they're uh, taking the piss out of everything else mm. and i think uh i was going to add some uh, flashing you know when you get a word flash up really quickly Love that. uh subliminal messaging or reverse <laughs> and i was like oh no i'll save that for something else <laughs> so you were completely spot on you know me too well <laughs> it's not even i do you know what it's not i think me and you're just so like that like that was what i would have done and anyone that knows me when they watch something knows that I do, apart from that Peppa Pig one, because that was just fucking ridiculous. But <laughs> I think I'd, like, taken too much to cuckold them all that day. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but um, a lot of things I do, I'm kind of like, well, what's the point here? You know, like, um, why am I doing this? What do I want people to take from this? But I'm like you. I'm like, I want the amount of people that say to me, you've done, like, I did obviously my thing for my MA film, right? And one of them was on Grinder Culture. And Amy did the voice for it. And, it. and a lot of the gays and the queers were like, oh my God, I get what you mean. But I had a lot of straight women go, oh my God, it's that Lolita thing because I used to date older men. And I was like, yeah. 
I guess it could be that. Because like, I was like, it wasn't in my head that, but right. that yeah, it, yeah. It, But what I think is amazing when you can put a when you can put a piece of art out there, and all communities can take from something. That's when you know that it's actually making its impact. Because we were like, I felt this, and I'm like, as long as you're feeling something, I'm doing my job. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what's your favorite performance you've ever done in drag? Oh, I don't know. My first one will always stick with me just because it was the first ever and the, the adrenaline rush from that. So the whole crowd was there. People was great. I mean, I do... What was your first one? My first one was a, a Jungle Book number, uh, King of the Swingers. I want to be like... Mm -hmm. I did that and it was uh, really, really fun. But I also remember doing Same Love at the Pond one night, mm -hmm. um, the Macklemore song. And I remember it was... Not you. I think you were out that night, actually. My mum was there, yes, because it was the night my mum was there and she was absolutely in love with you and she was, like, all over you. And I remember they weren't supposed to... My mum and stepdad just walked in and I was like, oh, my God, they're here and I'm doing this, like, emotional song and it's a slow song and it's a serious song and I'm normally, like, drunk songs, like, Park Life or, like, mm -hmm. What's Night Coming Over the Hill, mm -hmm. like, Chelsea Dagger, like, mm -hmm. geezer songs. So when it was... a uh, that was a, a time that I'd done something a bit different and a bit out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that one. Obviously, my uh, my new video is... Uh, I, I still laugh at it, but that's because mm -hmm. I find myself really funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, people are like, oh, that's really funny. And I'm like, I know way. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm, 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 it is funny. Of course oh, it is. Do you know what? Self-love. I mean, I did an application the last two days, which I won't go into too much detail, but I did an application and the, one of the questions was, what is in your life the most important relationship to you right now? And I was like, the relationship with myself. And yeah. I was like, now they might think this is really arrogant, but I'm like, all right, entitled, like, track queen. But I'm like, no, no. And I was like, the relationship with myself, you know, I have spent years in toxic, in and out of toxic relationships, and I'm finally in a relationship with myself. And you know what? I'm feeling really at peace, and I feel like I'm in a new spiritual journey, and I love that. And a lot of people... It's like, I'm very much like self-love. You know, people go, if you say, oh yeah, that is funny. They go, oh, why would you think you're funny? And it's like, oh my God, like, good girl, girl, get a grip. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you're allowed yeah. to find your own performance that you worked 12 days on funny. Like, it's not arrogant to be like, yeah, I'm proud of something. No, there's, there's <laughs> confidence and there's arrogance. And sometimes the line is very mm -hmm. thin, but they're definitely two very different things. What's arrogant is voting for the conservative. <laughs> <laughs> every episode of it failed getting a comment in there um, yeah. <laughs> do you know what's so funny I was literally asking you what was your favorite performance because I was going to say mine's was you doing that Macklemore song like mine's oh, really? yeah because I was there and I remember sitting there and I burst into tears during it and I was I know, like I was like you're in my makeup <laughs> I do have that on video actually because I think I've got vague recollections of socks filming it and you're at the table in front and you're yeah. like Fanning your, fanning your eyes and having a wee moment. And I, every time I watch that, I do have a wee moment to myself. Because it, it is a powerful song. And especially in a, a venue like The Pond, which actually is, is shut down now, it's closed, which I am completely devastated. I mean, nine times out of ten, I, if I was doing a show, it was there. Mm -hmm. Because I just loved it. Because Phil just fitted in there perfectly. Because the type of people that were there sometimes would drag me to The Pond. They'd be builders. They'd be working on the dockyards. Yeah. around the corner they weren't there for the fucking drag show I've had times where I've come out and been like hello and everyone's like 
Pint, full pint from the bar, tumbleweed flying through, right? Let's shut early and go home, have a lock in. I'm so sure the night I did with you was Pride weekend. And I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know if like this is, and I was like, I'll do it last minute, why not? And I went and I did Liza Minnelli, Life's a Cabaret. But I remember saying to them, I did this speech, because you know what, I'm like, wine auntie, what drinking me? I was like, <laughs> I was like, obviously, I was like, how am I going to like perform when you were doing that Macklemore song? I was like, oh my God, I'm just in floods. But I'd say to them, oh, you know, I've never done this venue before. And I would like to say that everyone that has stayed tonight, that thank you so much because, you know, we in the queer community, as much as we find the straight community can be quite intense and scary, like, you know, having you show this support to us, it starts with you as allies. And that was really great because I was apprehensive doing this venue, but you've proven me wrong. And I remember them all actually going off the rails. Yes, because I was like, oh, maybe that's actually helped like them feel a bit better about this because maybe yeah. there often is unfortunately straight community that sometimes they are insecure because if they're like oh if I say anything I'll offend so I'll be quiet and awkward and you know I loved doing that night it drew me to the pond I thought it was really fun I was, do you know what I think it was it will always be one of my favourite nights to perform because it was the pond as a venue is fucking beautiful Jane the landlady was Lovely. just an absolute legend she'd always I'd always lose my shit, mm. not like physically, mm. but all my things, my belongings, I'd lose mm. throughout the and night she, because she'd keep I'm just, she'd keep them. I'd come in the next week and they'd be folded in a pile in the dressing room, like all put nicely and smelling. And I'd be like, oh, Jane, you don't have to like, when I left this, it probably had flag stains now on it. Have you cleaned this? Like, come on. <laughs> she just, she was always there to look after you. And uh, I never felt unsafe there or I never had any issues or bother there, or the time there was bother, Jane was always the first person to, to, to do a Peggy sorry. Mitchell and be like, get out. That was and it hard. was such a, you'd never ever know what you were going to get. It was the unpredictableness. Like, as much as we love uh, a predictable scene and you know that you're going to get tips and you know you're going to get clapped and clicked, no matter like what you do, you could flash your arse and everyone would love it. Yeah. But you might go to another venue where you've got to, work with the crowd and that's what I like as as someone who's like done a bit of a drama over the years you know improv it's great I've had a the one of the last nights at the pond actually I was like this isn't this number is dying a death no one is no one is enjoying this right what am I going to do so I like went over and whispered and I was like right and I just ripped my trousers off and I just uh, Stephen obviously uh, and I just performed in my pants just because no one was paying attention anymore and I was like if I just stand in my pants and perform and just do anything apart from stand and stare at everyone, they're gonna feel really, and then they're gonna have to watch me. That's amazing. And I felt like being, excuse me, hello. So I stood there in my underwear, like completely unprepared, and just performed. And uh, everyone was like, oh, maybe we should be looking at this. And I was like, there you go. You just got to, the pond was always fun because it was a challenge and it was unpredictable. You never knew what you were gonna get, but you knew you'd have a laugh. I love that. I love a challenge. We've only got um, a couple more questions because this has just been so much fun and lovely. Um, so back to sort of COVID and the pandemic, what are, you know, um, I wouldn't want you to share anything you weren't comfortable with, but what have your experiences been and what have you been coping? How have you been coping rather the last sort of seven months? Like any things that you've been doing that maybe people could use and benefit from? You know, I've got a therapist that I go to regularly online and do a lot of mindfulness and meditating now, which is great. 
um, and I spoke about how I started antidepressants. What about um, yourself? Has there been any things you've been doing? I know you mentioned you and Socks doing Disco Nights Girl, which is lovely. Oh, yeah, Disco Nights. Nice. <laughs> uh, just trying to... I always try and see the positive in everything, which is uh, something I've just picked up recently because I used to be a total ER and I was like a miserable get all the time. Mm-hmm. Always found a reason to be displeased Same. or not satisfied enough. And I was like, this is not healthy because it's always leaving me wanting more. And uh, my expectations were too high for a lot of people, I think. So I'm now trying to see the positives and everything. So we decorated the living room. Yeah. Uh, tried to, I was like, you know, if I'm going to be sat here, stuck in this house, I'm going to have to make it look nice and freshen it up a bit. And the thing is, once you do one room, all the other rooms look shit. So it just means you've got to do all them as well. So that's... Yeah. I do pick up projects all the time, but I, I never finish them. We had a bit of a chat uh, before we were recording, I think, and... Uh, I actually get my partner there, Socks, calls me half a job, McFarlane, because I start a job and then just leave it and do something else. There's a, I've been painting the exact same bureau for the last three and a half years. It's still not finished, just a piece of furniture. So <laughs> I said, do you know what? We wrote a list of 20 things we were going to do in 2020 and we haven't done many of them because you can't. So I've just tried to, I've been taking it half a day at a time actually and I got a little tattoo to remind myself to do that just half a day or in the the good words of can't remember who said it but one of the the frozen princesses in the the new frozen film says you've got to do the next best thing is that it do the next right thing I think and I always think what's yeah. the next best thing that I can do to make the right choice I've been taking lots of breaks just looking after myself yeah because we've been we've been grieving and not necessarily I mean for anything or anyone, but we've lost our jobs, a lot of us. Yeah. We've lost our normal social life. We've, we've lost, lost our lives, yeah. People. I mean, I lost my uh, my granddad at the start of the pandemic. I know a lot of people have uh, lost family members and loved ones. So that just adds to the, to the grief, especially when you can't be with the other people who've lost that person to mourn them. It does make it a lot harder, but it does you do appreciate what we had more and the relationships we have and the connections that we make. Mm-hmm. And when you do eventually see them, when I did see all my family or most of my family after my granddad passed, I was so grateful to see them all. And we shouldn't have been hugging, but we were sly, sly little hugs and then anti back down. And it just, it was, I've never been so grateful to, to have so many lovely people in my life before. And we don't necessarily talk all the time, but you know that they're there. And I think that's, I'm like that with a lot of my friends. I'm just trying to remember all the the great people that I have around and that everyone is actually going through a shit time and it's all right to have a shit time. And you've just got to sometimes look after yourself and take a minute. I've spent about £50 on hot chocolate in the last week because it's my new thing. I have a different flavour of hot chocolate every night. Oh, just to give myself something to look forward to. Give I'll have something nice to eat at lunch. I'll brush my teeth and start the day you know, start the next part of the day again because it's half a day. It's uh, it's been it's been really hard. It's been horrible. There's been a few times I've uh, you know just wanted to be like, do you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to move away. But then you can't move away because you're stuck in your your house, and it's like you know, it's I, it's um, really it's challenging for everyone, not even people, let alone people who have mental health mm-hmm. issues or some underlying conditions or. It's just trying to see the next best thing. What is the next best thing? Seeing the light at the end of the tunnel as Star, um, Starlight yeah. Express said. 
Exactly. Totally. What are the social media handles you would like to share in the podcast so people can follow you and your Obviously, you do digital design and artwork. You've done the afternoon delight logo. Uh, shout out to you. Yeah, I can. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna redo that for you. You don't have oh, to. No, no pressure. I think it's it. beautiful. Oh no, we love it. If, if you're happy with it, because I remember that being a, an initial sketch, and you were like, "No, I absolutely love it." If you're happy with it, that is grand. But if you I want, like. You know me. Want I a love, revamp? Maybe in the future, but you know me. I love raw. Uh, raw work and I just saw that and went that is me and that's like I've been an avatar I've used for ages um, so I love that you did that and it's such a lovely thing you've done and I'm obviously I've been messaging you saying I want you to design a tattoo for me as well I'd love to I'm a wank in that regard that I want a tattoo that's my personal design but I also want it by someone I care about that I can go oh this person I care about did this and they're on me and they're yeah, yeah. in my life and I love that um, so where can people follow you for drag and digital work so you can follow me at Phil Herin, P-H-I-L-H-E-R-R-I-N. <laughs> oh, I felt like I was on countdown there. <laughs> or you can follow my art stuff on Instagram at C8, the number, S underscore art. I, I do have Twitter, but it's shite, so it's, uh, you know, <laughs> only, only about 12 people follow me there, and I'm only on it so I can keep an eye on uh, what's happening with coronavirus. I found Twitter is mainly... Um, Penises. Quite, can be quite and it just, uh, it's, yeah, it's just it's just pictures of penises and people arguing, and I'm not really that here for it. So <laughs> it's like bare, like last like absolute last resort scrolling for me when I, there's absolutely nothing else to do. The amount of people but, I uh, talk to that are on Twitter and then like they always go, "Oh, my mental health's been really bad." And all I've done is scroll Twitter, and I'm like, you can just tell when people's mental health is really bad. They're on Twitter all the time. Yeah, I, had yeah. to start, I had to start capping myself because I started going, do you know what, I'm checking this for the wrong reasons. If I'm not looking here for nice stuff, I should be looking. Right, That's yeah. amazing for you to share those. I have a feeling we'll be hearing more from you in the future and seeing you regularly when we return to live performance. Uh, before we go, as we uh, end every episode of Afternoon Delight, we ask our guests to bring a quote. And I would love for you to share that quote before we finish this interview. So my quote, and I should have written it down because it's something that people take the piss out of me all the time because it's, I always forget it. Nice. So I reckon it's do no harm and take no shit, but it could be take no shit and do no harm. So whatever you think sounds best, but yeah, just the don't take any shit from anyone, but don't harm anyone in the process. Totally. You don't need to be a dick. Listen to people's opinions. You might not agree with them, but everyone has allowed them, even if they're stupid. And sometimes you need to remember that you're not going to change some people's opinions. Totally. I love that. Fill her in. And also, mm -hmm. half a day. Half a day as well. Half when it gets day. hard, take it half a day. Half a day at a time. I love that. Phil her in. And Kate, thank you so much for joining me Afternoon Delight. Been a pleasure as always. Look forward to Thanks catching for up with you. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Take care of yourself. You too. It's so great to hear Phil talking about their work who and who they are. And honestly, it's just to showcase talent like that, you know, I've had a hard week, hard month, and even worse, three months, in all honesty. And when I put together this set list of performances for the House Liability that came, Phil had done, it was so 
good. You know, my family and my house are so good that I never have to worry about them, which is amazing. As much as we're called the house liability, they're all great performers that will turn out. Whether or not they get that on time is a different story, or whether it goes necessarily the way we all planned is a different story. And often that's because of things like mental health, jobs, life gets in the way. But we're the house of liability because we're the house that has the biggest heart and we're there for each other despite being a liability. And I love that. And Phil being part of that doesn't surprise me that they'll probably be involved again in the future in more than one way. And hearing them get to talk about their work, honestly, just makes my heart grow because watching their performance for the show was just such a great moment for me. I sent Phil videos of me reacting, photos. It was just the funniest thing to watch. And please do keep an eye out for what they're doing on their social medias because they're truly a talent. Love being around Phil. After that show, I felt my heart was full. I felt like I could do so many amazing things. My creativity came back. I'd had kind of a couple of weeks where creativity was just not happening. I was singing sad songs. I was fed up, depressed. Whereas now I'm planning Christmas numbers. It's so exciting. We're going to be doing a Christmas House of Liability show. And I have obviously told the performers and different people that I can't announce just yet because we haven't publicly got there yet that House of Liability will be coming live every Friday night at an amazing venue when we're allowed to do so. And it's safe and legal, which I'm very excited to do. Even though a lot of the things we do are legal. Ha <laughs> cab. Um, we very much need a legal pass just to put on a show without getting fined because, gal, I'm a struggling artist. I cannot afford a fine right now. Like, the only fine I can afford is the fine that I have to pay to Tesco when I get my food shop. But anyway, thank you so much for listening to Afternoon Delight this week. It's been honestly a pleasure. Um, we will obviously be dropping Friday's episode. I did take a bit of a delay in getting this out just because it didn't feel right and I felt like I needed a break for a couple of days because I just raised over £1,500 for the Butterfly Trust doing a walk for my friend Katie Jefferson, who sadly passed away in September. And we did it on our first seat and I got to the top in less than an hour and I'm very pleased with that. Phil Heron, thank you so much for joining me when you're listening to this. We are Partner Socks. I'd like to give a special mention out that Socks and Phil were meant to be getting married this year, but unfortunately, Ms. Rona decided to object to that. She's the only bitch that we can let object at a service, if you know what I'm saying. And they did a fake wedding to commit to each other on Instagram with photos. It was gorgeous. I think couples like that give me hope that one day I'm going to find love and I'm going to really settle and meet my equal. I think those two have definitely done that. Socks is also an amazing um, puppeteer, designer, artist. Might get her on, probably will get her on at some point in Afternoon Delight to promote her work and does great work with LGBT youth, which makes my heart again so warm. Socks has a lot to give. Caitlin has a lot to give they as a couple are going to take over the world and I'm here for it. So happy fake win to them. I love you both very much. Join me for the next episode. We've got the gorgeous Sam Manila from Glasgow doing an appearance, talking about their digital shows, their work, their tips and advice on how to cope during this pandemic. And I think they'll be in lockdown tier four. Let me uh, get back to you on that in the next episode. And they do also a podcast about wrestling, which, do you know what? This is going to be so much fun for me because a lot of people don't know this listening and might go, what? 
But I'm an Aquarius, and I've got a lot of things under my sleeve that you don't know about, right? Under my sleeve? Up my sleeve? Up my sleeve. Um, I loved wrestling growing up. I loved wrestling. I mean, I only watched Diva matches and pretty much spent my whole life loving Trish Stratus and Mickey James. I mean, that was a storyline. So it's going to be interesting for us to talk about wrestling. Very excited for that. I feel like I'm going back to my childhood roots. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to this podcast and please do give me a follow on Jory Delight Official on Instagram, Jory underscore Delight on Twitter. And please do keep an eye out for Phil's work and check out their social medias as mentioned earlier. Until then, no matter what tier system in, what, what mental health state you're in, because let me tell you gals and non-binary pals, this is truly a hard time. And I love you all dearly and I'm thinking about all of you. And if any of you genuinely do need to actually message me something and get a bit of advice or support, I am genuinely here. I might not reply within five minutes because let's face it, I am also exhausted, but I will reply when I can and I am here to help. Until then, stay safe and really do remember to breathe. Afternoon delight. Real people, real stories. A local podcast for local artists.